Hello and welcome to the I Can Do podcast with Benjamin Lee. We're here to talk about tips and strategies to have an I Can Do mindset. Life is what you put into it. Get the most you can. Here's your host, Benjamin Lee. One of the things that we really strive to do here at the West Main Congregation is is to make sure that we're in the Word of God as much as possible. And we have these daily Bible readings. This is designed for the members to use individually. As a family, you can find the daily Bible reading on our website. And we want to encourage every member to spend as much time in the Word of God. Uh, that's why we have these high school devotionals, to help young people to grow closer together and to learn more about God. We have Bible classes on Wednesdays and Sundays, and there's a ladies' class on Tuesdays at 10 o'clock. It's another opportunity to gather with saints and to learn more about God's Word. As we think about Bible reading, there are a lot of reasons as to why sometimes people may go to the Holy Scriptures. Uh, Sometimes people are just curious about what the Bible has to say. They may not really be interested in following what the Bible has to say, but they're curious about what it has to say. And then other times, we may go to the Word of God to help defend the truth. We are to uh, d- defend the truth, and we are to, are to know the difference between truth and error. In First John chapter 4, John told the saints there to test the Spirit. So we need to know what is true, and that's another great reason to go into God's Word in the study. In First Thessalonians 4, in verse 18, uh, Paul said to comfort one another with these words. So the Word of God brings us comfort, and many times we can go to God's Word to to bring or have comfort. And yet, as we study the Word of God, and I think this is important for young people as well, it's important for all of us, as we read the Word of God, one of the things that we should always be doing is asking ourselves, what else can I learn about God? It is a book about God. It is a book from God. And yes, we are part of this story of salvation and Jesus sending his son to redeem us from our sins. But as we open up God's word, whether in the Psalms or Revelation or the Gospels, we should always be asking, what can I learn more about the true and living God? Who is God? That's a question that a lot of people ask. Who is God? And as Christians, as disciples... We should never stop the pursuit of learning more about who our God is. In Exodus chapter 5, verses 1 and 2, remember Pharaoh. Pharaoh asked the question, uh, who is the Lord? Who is God that I should serve him or listen to him? And a lot of people have that question. Young people may have that question. Why should I listen to God? Who is God? And you talk so much about worship and singing praises to God. Why should I sing and make melody in my heart to God? Who is God? This morning, we're going to study from the Psalms. If you did your Bible reading, and I would encourage all of us to dive even deeper into the Word of God this week. In our daily Bible reading, we just learn so much about God. And the title of this lesson is called, God Is. When I read Psalm 95 through 101, I was just continually reminded about who God is. And as I listened to the psalmist, and I'm sure you did that as well, as you listen to the psalmist, you can see these responses about, okay, this is who God is, 
And therefore, this is what I'm going to do. Therefore, I will respond in this manner. And that's what I want to talk about, this idea of God is and listening to what the Psalms have to say about who God is, his nature, his character. And therefore, as I learn more about God, I will do this. The Psalms give us such great instruction about God and how we live. It's interesting, I've been studying the Dead Sea Scrolls, 931 documents of fragments and manuscripts that were found in the mid-1900s in the Qumran Caves. And out of all those fragments and documents, you know, which Old Testament book had the most? I see some mouths moving. I don't know what you said, but it's the book of Psalms. Psalms had the most. You might think about Isaiah, and Isaiah was there as well. And you think about the New Testament, and I've mentioned this before in, in sermons, what Old Testament book is quoted the most? It's the book of Psalms. And so there is worth... Uh, There's value, obviously, in in all of God's word, but even in the book of Psalms, to spend a little bit more time of what we can learn about who God is. Let's study together. Will you read with me, please, Psalm chapter 95? And as I read, I would encourage you to write your own notes or to take some mental notes about what do you learn about God in this text? And what do you learn about how you need to respond? If God is what the psalmist is going to say, and he is, How will you then say or respond, therefore, I'm going to do this. I'm going to be this person. Read with me, please, verse 1. Oh, come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully to him with psalms. For the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods, in whose hand are the depths of the earth. The peaks of the mountains are his also. The sea is his, for it was he who made it. And his hands formed the dry land. Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. Verse 7. For he is our God. And we are his people of his pasture. We are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Today, if you would hear his voice... Do not harden your hearts as at Mirba, as in the days of Massa in the wilderness, when your fathers tested me. They tried me, though they had seen my work for 40 years. I loathed that generation and said, they are a people who err in their heart, and they do not know my ways. Therefore, I swore my anger. Truly, they shall not enter into my rest. God is. How would you answer that question? Let's look at a couple of thoughts here. Number one, God is, according to Psalm 95, God is worthy of worship. You're going to see this pattern in the Psalms of singing for joy to the Lord and shouting joyfully to God our salvation. In verse 6, we worship God and we worship God alone. No angel is worthy of worship. No man is worthy of worship. No woman is worthy of worship. No idol is worthy of worship. Only the true and living God. And we kneel before him. Why? Because God is our maker. The psalmist is emphasizing that God alone is worthy of worship. And God is great. As you think about your God, our God, as we worship him at this very moment, remember that he is above all things. 
None can compare to the true and living God. He is a great God, a great king above all gods. That is who we worship this morning. And he's a creator of all. We just saw that again in verse number six. But you go back to verse number four. Think about how awesome this language is. And whose hands are the depths of the earth? The peaks of the mountains are his. The sea is his, for it was he who made it, and his hands formed the dry land. You think about Genesis chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 2. And when God spoke to the people in Exodus chapter 19, giving the law, as he spoke about how in six days he created all things. God is the creator of all. And one of the things that the Psalms will do as you study the Psalms, they will go through some of the Old Testament history. And they will recite or rehearse some of the events that happened with Israel in the past. And that's what we find here in verses 8 through 11. where actually going back to verse number 7, where God says, or the Bible says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as at Meribah. We find that event in Numbers chapter 20. And we learn more about the mistakes, the sinful choices, the pride and the arrogance and the rebellious nature of Israel and how they tested God and how they would spend 40 years in the wilderness. And in verse number 11 in particular, God said, Therefore, I swore in my anger, truly they shall not enter into my rest. God is a promise keeper. You see, God told Israel way back then how they would be blessed, read Deuteronomy 26, 27, and 28, and how they would be cursed, if they would just listen to him. And what we find in the Psalms is that God will keep his word. This is the God that we serve. God is great, and he keeps his promises. He is a creator of all things, and he is worthy of worship. And because that is true, how will I respond? God is all of these things, therefore this is what I am going to do. Number one, we need to respond in this manner. Therefore, I will worship him. Again, notice verses 1 and 2. I want you to notice the kind of singing that the psalmist speaks about. Sing for joy to the Lord. We're not just singing to someone uh, you know, popular. We're singing to the creator of the heavens and earth. So we sing for joy to the Lord. We shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. That's how we worship our great God. And that's how we sing. And we bow down to him. He is worthy of worship. And we understand that when we worship God, we are coming before the maker of heaven and earth. This is how big of a deal this is. Worship is not to be rushed through or looked down upon or fit into our schedule. No, because we're coming before the maker of all things. I will worship him. And because of who God is, I will not fear or worry. Now, you don't see the words fear or worry in verse 4 or 5, do you? You don't see them in there, do you? But you know what you do see? God's holding everything. So if God is holding everything, has made everything, that his hands are the, are, are the depths of the earth are in his hands. And he made the sea and, the, and, and his hand formed the land. Why is there anything that I should ever fear or worry about? There isn't. And because of him, I will not worry. 
what fears do you have? What worries do you have in your life? When I did my sermon about worry, how to stop worrying, how to start living, got a lot of great feedback from that sermon. And I appreciate that. I'm glad brethren are listening to the sermons. And I'm glad that it's helping you to grow in your faith. And it's a reminder as well for me that we do sometimes struggle with worry and fear. Well, the Psalms help us to see, no, we have no reason to fear or worry because our God is great and he's the creator of all things. And therefore, we need to trust in him. And one of the ways that we can overcome this fear and worry is by listening to his voice more. We need to listen to his voice. Again, go to verse number seven. Notice what the Bible says here today, if you would hear his voice. One of the interesting things about this passage here is that it's going to be quoted extensively in Hebrews chapter 3 and Hebrews chapter 4. And as you think about this idea of hearing the voice of God, we need to learn and live from the sins of others. All of this is one big um, part, or uh, it's all connected here, verses 7 through 11. I want you to notice over in Hebrews chapter 3, this is a great warning for every Christian in this audience. Turn over actually to chapter 2, because the Hebrew writer has to he has to encourage Christians warn Christians correct Christians do not drift away in Hebrews chapter 2 and verse number 1 for this reason we must pay closer attention to what we have heard brothers and sisters are we paying close attention to the word of God are we paying close attention to the words of the Holy Spirit he says pay close closer attention to what we have heard so that we do not drift away from it. It's possible to drift away from God's word. We've seen people that we love and care about and have eaten dinner with and have traveled with drift away from God. For if we, for if the word, verse 2, spoken through angels proved unalterable and every transgression and disobedience received a just penalty, how will we escape if we neglect so great a salvation, we cannot drift away, and yet it is possible. And that's why the Hebrew writer in chapter 3, he's going to quote from Psalm chapter 95. As he speaks about the superiority of Christ over angels in chapter 1 and Moses in chapter 2, he reminded the saints in chapter 3, in verse number 7, Therefore, just as the Holy Spirit says today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as when they provoked me, as in the day of trial in the wilderness. He goes to that whole psalm there. In verse 12, he says, Take care, brethren, that there not be in any one of you an evil, unbelieving heart that falls away from the living God, but encourage one another day after day. It's possible to drift away from God. It is possible to fall away from God. But that does not have to happen. If we will encourage one another, if we will hear his voice as long as it is still called today so that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. The reason why we need to hear his voice is because we can become hardened and we can be deceived by sin. That's reason to hear his voice. Let me ask you, how much did you hear from God this week? Not talking about dreams or visions, okay? But how much did you hear from God this week? I'm I'm not going to tell you how much you need to hear, but wherever we are, we can always hear more. 
And that is really the, the big thing for us. And here's why. In chapter 4, he says this in verse 1. Therefore, let us fear it while a promise remains of entering his rest. Any one of you may seem to have come short of it. For indeed, we have had good news preached to us, just as they also. But the word they heard did not profit them, because it was not united by faith in those who heard. What a shame, isn't that? That we can hear God's word, and yet it's still not profitable to us. It doesn't have an impact upon us. It's not coupled with faith and action and trust. For we who have believed entered that rest, just as he has said, as I swore my wrath, they shall not enter into my rest. He's quoting from Psalm 95 and verse number 11. And, and what, the, what the Hebrew writer will do here, he will continue to quote from Psalm 95. For he has said in verse 4, somewhere concerning the seventh day, God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again, in this passage, they shall not enter my rest. There's Psalm 95. Therefore, since it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly had good news preached to them, failed to enter because of disobedience, he again fixes a certain day today, saying through David after so long a time, just as has been said before, today if you hear his voice, there's Psalm 95, and the Hebrew writer says, David wrote this, do not harden your hearts. You see, we have a rest awaiting us. We have eternity awaiting us if we will continue to hear his voice and to worship him and to trust him. Therefore, I will respond in this manner because God is great and he is a maker of all things. That must be our response. This is who God is and this is how we respond to him. Look over in Psalm 96. Look at what the psalmist has to say here in Psalm chapter 96. Will you read this with me as well? Psalm chapter 96. And again, I wanted to ask you, what do you learn about your God, our God? Who is God? As you read the Bible, ask yourself, what can I learn about God? What do I learn about his nature? Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name. Proclaim good tidings of His salvation from day to day. Tell of His glory among the nations, His wonderful deeds among all the peoples. Verse 4, For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the peoples are idols. But the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before Him. Strength and beauty are in His sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory of his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in holy attire. Tremble before him, all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Indeed, the world is firmly established. It will not be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice. Let the sea roar and all it contains. Let the field exult and all that is in it. Then all the trees of the forest will sing for joy before the Lord for his coming. For he is coming to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness. God is what? What did you see about your God? Number one. God is worthy of worship. Didn't we just hear that? 
We hear it again. And that's something that we see a lot in the Psalms. He's worthy of worship, as we see in verses 1 and 2. And what is interesting is we think about this idea of worship here. He's going to talk more about this as he talks about the nature of God and his majesty. We, with splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. And verse number nine, worship the Lord in holy attire. And so the psalmist speaks about God is worthy of worship. And he also talks about how we go about worshiping him. When you think about the idol gods in the ancient world, the idol gods would be worshipped in the manner in which they were, what people believed them to be. And so that's why there was a lot of sexuality and perversions when it came to idol worship. Because that's who, that's who God, those gods were. And yet the true and living God, he is holy in nature. So what kind of worship does he demand? Well, he demands worship that is also holy in nature. And so we worship him in a worthy, in a way that is worthy and holy in his sight. God, he is holy and he is worthy of worship. The Psalms talk about the great salvation. David understood deliverance from, from evil ones from God throughout his life. And we also see that God is a source of salvation from day to day in verse number two. We know that Jesus is the way, the truth, the life, and that no man comes to the Father except through him. That Christ and his Father, God, they are the source of salvation, and they are the ones that all men must turn to when it comes to salvation. And verse number three, we learn of something else about God. God is, well, God is a giver of good things. He says, tell of his glory among the nations, his wonderful deeds among all the peoples. I thought about James chapter one, and I'll read that here to you real quickly here, where James reminded his readers, and he reminds us as well, in James chapter one and verse 17, that every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. God is the one who does wonderful deeds and works, and he is the one where all good things come from. That is the God that we worship, that the psalm spoke about. And God is the one who reigns. And think about how this should bring us great comfort. And verse number 10, say among the nations, the Lord reigns. In Psalm 95, the psalmist David said that there's only, that God is king above all gods. And God is the one who reigns. He is the one that has power and authority. Pharaoh asked that question in Exodus chapter 5. Who is the Lord God that I should hear his voice? Here's why, Pharaoh. Because you don't have all the power. You're just a man. You're a created being. But God, Jehovah, Yahweh, he is the one. Who reigns, and he is the one who is great. And that should have an impact upon me this morning and upon you as you sit in this pew or those pews. And not just today, but in every, every aspect of our lives, understanding who God is. God is, therefore, I will do this. Because of who God is, therefore, well, we already know this, right? We're, we're in the middle of this, that we should worship him. And again, I want you to see what the psalmists are emphasizing. Singing to the Lord a new song. All the earth sing to God. He is worthy of all praise and worship. And all should be praising his name. Sadly, many do not worship him. Many do not sing to him. And yet they should. 
Sing to the Lord, bless His name. He is the one that we sing to and worship. And I love this idea of sing to the Lord a new song. The church at Dallin Road, where we were before we came here, they had Matt Bassford, and we sing some of his songs. I think we were singing some of his songs last Sunday, right? After Hurricane Harvey, after all the the wonderful blessings that God's people had done for them, and West Maine was a part a part of that as well, sending money to help those needy saints at the time. They asked Brother Matt Bassford to write a new song that they could sing to remind them of what God had done. And this is what we find that that Israel would do. They would sing a new song to the Lord to remember how God had delivered them. And there is something there for us to sing a new song, to remember how God has delivered us in times past. We sing, and we sing with joy, and we remember, and we worship Him. We come before Him. Go back to those verses, uh, verse number 9. We worship Him in holy attire. Psalm 29 and verse number 2 uses this language. Psalm 110 uses this language as well. As we present ourselves before God, we come before Him in a way that is holy and pure in His sight. And yes, we do focus a lot upon our dress and our and modesty, and that always should be something that we're thinking about as well. And yet we also need to be making sure that our hearts are holy. You see, one can have a dress down to their knees, loose-fitting clothes and every aspect or every part of their body covered and still may not be holy as they come before God. Our hearts have to be holy as well. And when our hearts are in the right place, when we have the right motives, when we are worshiping according to God's standards, God's will, His pattern, then everything else, I believe, is going to fall into place, including the, the physical attire, the dress. We worship Him in the right way. And we understand that we are coming before God, don't forget this. Yes, we can critique sometimes the song leader or the brother who prayed for three or five minutes or the sermon and and whether or not the transitions were exactly the way they needed to be or were the points that they all have the perfect symmetry. But don't forget, brothers and sisters, that we are coming before God. That makes a difference. It should make a difference how we prepare even on Saturday and Sunday morning. Because this is worship. God is worthy of this worship. And the manner of our worship matters to him. He sees it. And we need to be understanding and knowing who we come before. We will worship him with holy attire. And we, because of who he is, should tell of his great deeds, his wonderful deeds among all the peoples. Tell of his glory. This week, will you have a conversation or just bring up God in some shape or form? Even after services today, it's okay. We can talk about godly, we can have godly conversations. I know there are big things in our minds, right? There's football today. Don't worry about the Cowboys. You know they're not going to win, all right? All right? People say, how about them Cowboys? How about God? All right? There you go. That's how we do it. How about God? Talk about him. Tell of his glory. How has he delivered you? Has he answered your prayers in 2022? I know he has. Because he's answered a lot of prayers here. Tell of his good deeds. 
This is why evangelism will just become a part of our DNA because we will naturally tell of him. And as you think about who God is, I will fear him. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. Do we have fear and reverence and tremble before his presence? Matthew chapter 10, Jesus told his disciples when they were going out or about to be sent out in Matthew chapter 10. And this is a good reminder for us as well. In Matthew chapter 10 and verse number 28, do not fear those who kill the body. I wonder, do we put too much emphasis on that? I'm not saying that we can't have locked doors and we can't protect ourselves and things like that. That's all good. Get your ADT, get your ring, all of that, all right? But there's something bigger here. Do not fear those who kill the body. We know that death is a real thing. And we know that Christians in the first century were killed because of their faith. These apostles were going to suffer. Yet Jesus said, do not fear those who kill the body, but are able to kill the soul. And I'm not saying either that we don't make provisions. Paul was let down a window in Acts chapter 9. All right. But what Jesus is saying, well, you need to fear someone even greater than the one who can just merely kill, kill the body. But are unable to kill the soul. But rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Sneak preview. Next Sunday, my sermon will be on hell. A sermon no one wants to hear, but it has to be preached. We need to fear God. In Ecclesiastes chapter 12, if you're trying to figure out what life is all about and where you should be going in life and what you should be doing in your life, before you pick up any book by Jordan Peterson or any other author or professor or psychologist out there, you need to read Ecclesiastes chapter 12. In fact, you need to read the entire book. And maybe don't even pick up any of those books, all right? Read this book. This is a book of life by Solomon the preacher. And in verses 13 and 14, he said the conclusion when all has been heard is fear God and keep his commandments. Commandments are not a bad thing. And we have to keep the commandments of God. Keep his commandments because this applies to every person. For God will bring every act to judgment. Everything which is hidden, whether it is good or evil. We cannot fear Republican parties or Democratic parties or other nations more than we fear God. And if we're constantly full of worry and anxiousness about what's going to happen tomorrow in America, what's going to happen tomorrow in the world, I suggest to you that we remember the one who built the world, who made the world, who holds the world in his hand, and who can destroy both body and soul in hell. God, we fear him because he is awesome. I will fear him because God is great. That's what the psalmists are teaching us. Psalm chapter 97. Look at this psalm here. Psalm chapter 97. This is part of our daily Bible reading as well. Will you read this here with me as well too? Look at verses. We're going to read the whole chapter here. And again, I want to ask you. Who is God? What do you learn about God? Your God, our God. The Lord reigns. Let the earth rejoice. Let the many islands be glad. Clouds and thick darkness surround him. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. Fire goes before him and burns up his adversaries round about. His lightnings lit up the world. 
the earth saw and trembled. The mountains melted with wax at the presence of the Lord. At the presence of the Lord of the whole earth, the heavens declare His righteousness, and all the peoples have seen His glory. Let all those be ashamed who serve graven images, who boast themselves of idols. Worship Him, all you gods. Zion heard this and was glad, and the daughters of Judah have rejoiced. Because of your judgments, O Lord, for you are the Lord most high over all the earth. You are exalted far above all gods. Verse 10, hate evil, you who love the Lord, who preserves the souls of his godly ones. He delivers them from the hand of the wicked. Light is sown like seed for the righteous and gladness for the upright in heart. Be glad in the Lord, you righteous ones, and give thanks to his holy name. Man, when I read that, how do you summarize all of that up, right? When I read Psalm chapter 97, you just got to say God is awesome, all right? (laughs) When you think about what the psalmist is saying here, God is awesome. Verse 1, he is the one that reigns. He has the kingship, and the earth belongs to him. The earth is his footstool. And the language that he uses, like in verse number two, uh, this idea of clouds and thick darkness around him, our mind should go back to, to Mount Sinai in Exodus chapter 19. When you turn over there, remember uh, in Exodus chapter 19 when God, uh, the Bible says in verse number nine, the Lord said to Moses, behold, I will come to you in a thick cloud so that the people may hear when I speak with you and, and may also believe in you forever. Then Moses told the words of the people to the Lord. And verse number 16, the Bible says, So it came about on the third day when it was morning that there was thunder and lightning flashes and a thick cloud upon the mountain and a very loud trumpet sound, so that all the people who were in the camp trembled. And Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God, and they stood at the foot of the mountain. Now Mount Sinai was all in smoke because the Lord descended upon it in fire. And its smoke ascended like the smoke of a furnace, and the whole mountain quaked violently. It looks like he's using this language here and showing the awesome nature of God. We see that in verse 2. And we even see this language of fire. You see it in Exodus 19, but also in Daniel chapter 7. Remember, we have Daniel and these visions that he was having. And Daniel spoke about the ancient of days. He spoke about God in verse number 9 of Daniel chapter 7. And he said, I kept looking until thrones were set up and the ancient of days took his seat one on the throne. His vesture was like white snow and the hair of his head like pure wool. His throne was ablaze with flames. Its wheels were a burning fire. A river of fire was flowing before him and coming out from before him. The Son of Man would come up to the ancient days later on in Daniel chapter 7. This language is depicting and showing the awesomeness of God. And we find all in these verses here, going back to Exodus 19, verses 4 and 5. And even in verse number 6, it made me think about Psalm chapter 19, where the heavens declare the glory and and the handiwork of God. In Psalm chapter 97, he talks about the righteousness of God. In verse 6, the heavens declare his righteousness, and all the peoples have seen his glory. We know that God is righteous in all that he does. There's no crookedness in him at all. 
We know that he is just as he sits on his throne. And we know from the psalmist that God, well, he is truly awesome. And that should have an impact upon me and you today. This is what is truly awesome, brothers and sisters. The one that we come before and bow down to, the maker of all things. And because God is awesome and righteous and just, how foolish and how terrible it would be and how ashamed we should be to ever leave this God to worship idols or to forsake him. Let us be ashamed when we choose not to listen to him. Let us be ashamed like the Israelites who had the audacity to worship graven images that they created. And yet we can look at the Israelites and say, how silly were they to make these images? But folks, don't let images today get in our way of serving the true and awesome God. Don't let images of sports or entertainment or money or power or reputation or strength get in the way of the great God. We know it happens. We know our hearts can be hardened. And sometimes there are images or idols, rather, in our lives that we don't even see. How silly and how foolish and how ashamed we should be who serve graven images, who boast themselves of idols. God is only worthy of worship. And God demands that he is first. We worship him in verse number 7. All you gods, all should worship God. And what's interesting about Psalm 97 and verse number 7 is that, again, the Hebrew writer used this. And in this particular passage, when you go to Hebrews chapter 1 and verse number 6, the Hebrew writer uses this to speak about Christ. God is worthy of worship. The Father is worthy of worship and the Son as well. In Hebrews 1 and verse 6, and when he again brings a firstborn into the world, he says, and let all the angels of God worship him. And of the angels, he says. So verse number 6, he's talking about Psalm 97. Angels are spirit beings, and yet they are created, and they're not worthy of worship. Christ is. All worship belongs to God and God alone. This is how I will respond, how we should respond. Don't ever turn away from the true and living God. Young people, you decide to turn away from God, you have nowhere to go. Sure, you can fill your lives with different activities and things and pursuits, but you're always going to be let down. You're always going to be disappointed. And you can talk to 40- and 50-year-old adults who have gone down that same path in the church of Christ, and they'll tell you, no, you need to remain with God. How about we learn and live? Instead of living and learning, we listen to what God has to say. And listen to this. Here's a challenge for all of us today. Hate evil. Don't hate one another. But hate evil. Those who love the Lord. There's a line drawn in the sand. We have to make a decision. Do we love the world more? Or do we love God? Hate evil. Who love the world. Remember the deceitfulness of sin. According to Hebrews chapter 3. It can be enticing. And it can make us feel like we're missing out on something. It's a lie of the devil. Hate evil. And the Bible defines what evil is. What sin is. It's very clear. 
where we don't have to guess. This is how I need to respond because God is awesome. You see, our Bible reading reminds us it's not just something to check off, but it's helping, helping us to come before God and to learn more about who he is. I have not been perfect in the daily Bible reading, and maybe you haven't either, but you can pick up and you can get started today. Because when you do, as you read Psalms and Proverbs and Job and Song of Solomon, you're going to be reminded about the awesome nature of God. Who is God? That's just something we need to meditate more upon about God and, and his nature. We know that God is great, and we know that God is faithful, and we need to exalt him. We don't have time to read Psalm 99, but that was a part of the Bible reading. If you turn over there, look at what he says in verse number 2. The Lord is great in Zion, and he is exalted above all the peoples. And then you drop down, he reminds us in verse 5, exalt the Lord our God, and worship at his footstool. Holy is he. Is he the one that is exalted in our lives, praised and honored? Do we remember and consider his majesty and his splendor? Well, this daily Bible reading will help you and it will help me. God is so awesome. He is awesome. And our response to him needs to be one of holiness and fear and devotion to him. As you read the Psalms, and I'm extending the invitation now, the invitation is where maybe there's someone here who needs to respond to Jesus Christ. I want you to also remember, whether you're a Christian or not a Christian, uh, but those of us who are in the body, the Psalms, there's so many reasons to read them. And one of the big things that we see is that the Psalms speak about the Son of God. They speak about Jesus and his life and about how God prepared a body for him. In Psalm chapter 40, we've already read this this year, but in Psalm chapter 40 and verses 6 through 8, will you allow me to read just a few of these verses here? I think this is pretty exciting. All right. You see Jesus in the Psalms. Sacrifice and meal offering you have not desired. My ears you have opened, but burnt offering and sin offering have you not required. Then I said, Behold, I come in the scroll of the book. It is written of me. I delight to do your will, O my God. Your law is within my heart. Well, the Hebrew writer in Hebrews chapter 10 quotes this as he speaks about Jesus in verse number 5. Therefore, when he comes into the world, he says, Sacrifice and offering you have not desired, but a body you have prepared for me. And whole burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin you have taken no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come, and the scroll of the book it is written of me to do your will, O God. You see, we learn something about Jesus from the Psalms. That Jesus came in the form of the flesh, the incarnation of of God. And he did the will of God while he was on earth. And the Father allowed Jesus to suffer. Look over in Psalm chapter 22. Jesus, he suffered for the for our sake in Psalm chapter 22 and verse number 1 and 2. And we'll just read a few more verses here. And verse number, uh, chapter 22, verse 1. The Bible says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? We talked about this last week where the Gospels show us this record of Jesus quoting this passage. Far from my deliverance are the words of my groaning. Oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer. We, we see how the New Testament helps us to understand that, that Psalm 22, many parts of this, was pointing to the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. In verse 14, it says, I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted within me. My strength is dried up like a potsherd. My tongue cleaves to my jaws. 
And you lay me in the dust of death, for dogs have surrounded me. A band of evildoers has encompassed me. They pierced my hands and my feet. So the Psalms speak about his life. They speak about his sacrifice. And they also speak about his burial and also his resurrection. In Psalm chapter 16, in Psalm chapter 16, verses 9 through 11, David said this, Therefore my heart is glad and my glory rejoices. My flesh also will dwell securely, for you will not abandon my soul to Sheol, nor will you allow your Holy One to undergo decay. You will make known to me the path of life, and your presence is fullness of joy, and your right hand are pleasures forevermore. And it was the Apostle Peter on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2 that would quote from Psalm chapter 16, where he spoke about Jesus and how he was delivered over by the predetermined plan in verse 23 and nailed to the cross by the hands of godless men and put him to death. But God raised him up again, verse 24, putting an end to the agony of death since it was impossible for him to be held in its power. Notice verse 25, for David says of him. So Psalm 16, in that particular passage, David was speaking about the Messiah and the events that would take place with the death of Jesus Christ. And so the Psalms speak about his life. The Psalms speak about his suffering. The Psalms speak about his death. And even from this Psalm and others, they speak about the resurrection of Jesus. In Psalm chapter 16, we see that his body would not suffer decay He would rise from the grave on the third day. That decay would typically set in on day number four. But he would rise from the grave on day number three. And in Psalm chapter two and verse number seven, the Bible says, I will surely tell of the decree of the Lord. He said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. And that, my friend, is talking about his resurrection. In Acts chapter 13, in Acts chapter 13 and verse number 33, when Paul was preaching, notice that he quotes from that same passage in verse 33, that God has fulfilled this promise to our children and that he raised up Jesus as it is written in the second Psalm. You are my son. Today I have begotten you. That is awesome. Because the Psalms speak about the nature of God, the Father. And the Psalms speak about God, the Son. And the Psalms remind us that, yes, he was raised from the dead, but that's not all. That he also ascended into heaven, and he now reigns in heaven. Psalm 110. The Hebrew writer would quote so much from Psalm 110 as he talks about Christ as our great high priest. In Psalm 110, the Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Well, that's Acts chapter 2, verses 34 through 36. The Lord has sworn, verse 4, and will not change his mind, you are a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. The Lord is at your right hand, and he will shatter kings in the day of his wrath. It is God, the Son, it is Christ who reigns in heaven. And I'm showing you this because the Psalms teach us so much about God, who he is, and also his Son. And this is the one 
where salvation can be found. Like last week when Sister Karen walked to the front of the auditorium and was baptized for the forgiveness of her sins. Well, you can do the same thing today. If you believe in this Messiah, this Christ, Jesus, who is both Lord and Christ, the one foretold by the Psalms, the one who reigns in heaven. Our God, indeed, he is awesome. How will we respond to him? He reigns in heaven, but does he reign in our hearts? Once again, thank you so much for tuning in to this episode. If you are in the need or looking for more motivation in your life, feel free to check out my website, benjaminlee.blog, where you can find hundreds of encouraging, motivational blog posts on a variety of subjects. You can find all of my books, which can also be found on amazon.com and other podcast interviews with a variety of people. I hope this helps. Please leave me a rating and a review. I can do and so can you. Take care and God bless. Thank you.